Hi there. Welcome to another episode of The Last Picture Podcast. I'm Teresa Fay, And I am Christy Walker. We're brought to you by Allegory Tattoo. If you're looking for some great custom tattoo work, you have to go check them out. They're located down at Normal Heights. The artist Pete, Narnia, and Rob are superb artists and will work with you one-on-one to find out what you really want on your body. You can see some of their work on social media at Allegory Tattoo. This episode is also brought to you by Steel Realty, a coastal real estate agency located right in the heart of beautiful Cardiff by the Sea. They're very local realtors that know the area, and their main goal is to make their clients happy. They're local and coastal, so go drop on in. You can find them on the web also at realtysteel.com, spelled R-E-A-L-T-Y-S-T-E-E-L-E.com, and on the internet at Steel Realty Facebook and Instagram. Go check them out and make sure that your next buying or selling experience is the best it can be. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Lacadia Photo Works, the photo studio where we record this very podcast. And uh, Teresa and I also use it for our own photo shoots. It's a photo studio for rental in Encinitas, mm-hmm. California. Uh, it's also great for small events if you have some other ideas. Lots of cool places to visit right down the street for coffee and food. Oh, yeah. It's um, a great location. It has a cyclorama and some equipment also for rent. So check it out at LacadiaPhotoWorks.com for more information. Awesome. So today we're so excited about our episode. We're talking with Mim Michael Love, who has had multiple successful careers, but today we're focusing on her life as a professional photographer. Mim kind of had an unorthodox start to her career. It was kind of thrown into the music photography world in the 80s and early 90s before moving to LA, where she also had a successful career as kind of a celebrity photographer before hanging up her camera for good. We were so excited to get Mim into the studio. Uh, And one thing that I was struck by when talking with her was how she gracefully took on such high pressure jobs, photographing high profile musicians in an industry which at that time was mostly male dominated. And she really excelled at what she was doing. Yeah. um, So at the time that she was shooting, it was uh, film photography. So it was really cool to have her come in with like a box of black and white prints that she'd printed. That was amazing. And go through it. I mean, it's been a long time since I've looked at a box of black and white prints. And and slides and slide negatives. Slides, yeah. And um, I mean, she had pictures and, you know, because she shot shot people such as... um, John Waters, um, the director, Johnny Rotten from Sex Pistols, Iggy Pop, um, Steve Earle, Steve Ray Vaughan, David Byrne. David Bowie. I mean, uh, and then, you know. Yoko Ono. Aerosmith, uh, Jimmy Carter. Yeah, presidents, a lot of biggies. So many, so many uh, jaw-dropping moments and just like, oh my God, moments with um, her stories and everyone that she captured as her time as a photographer. So we super loved it and we hope that you guys love listening to it too. Um, And while you guys are at it, we'd love it if you guys check us out 
on iTunes and subscribe to The Last Picture Podcast and follow us on social at Last Picture Pod. And um, yeah, and if you don't mind giving us a review, um, preferably a good review. Five star. On iTunes, that would really help us out showing up on iTunes page. Yeah, so then we can make more podcasts and have more fun and talk to more photographers. All right. Thanks a lot. And here we go with Mim Michaelove. Hey, it's another day and we're hanging out talking to photographers. It's not so bad. This is The Last Picture, a podcast not just about photography. Because sometimes the coolest part about being a photographer are the stories behind the shot and the adventures that get you there. Mim, we're so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for coming down. It's so exciting to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm personally super excited to talk to you about um, your past life as a photographer, where you focused on celebrity and music photography mostly, right? Yeah. I started out as a, a photographer for rock and roll musicians immediately, working for a radio station called WBCN, Pioneers in, in Rock and Roll. Is that based somewhere? Was that based? Yes, in-, in Boston. Yeah. It was called the Rock of Boston. And what time period was this? So I believe going through my archives, which I recently um, sent to myself, uh, 1984 was when it really started and probably lasted till about um, 96. Nice. A good good solid 12 years of celebrity photography. Okay. So for now, you have a totally different life and career um, here in Encinitas, right? But so we're going to focus on your photography days. I got to meet Mim um, photographing her family, which was awesome. And I forget exactly how it came about, but she happened to mention that she photographed Aerosmith. And I was like, whoa, okay, hold on a second. I'm trying to focus here and like photograph you guys for this local magazine, but I really need to know more about this. And then um, when you got all your archives shipped to you recently and started sharing a little bit about that, I just got so excited and got to see how much you've done over that period. And I'm so impressed by your work and on all the stuff. So we're so excited to just talk about stories and hear all that good stuff. It's actually been um, really fun for me to go through all of the archives, too, because I actually had forgotten about a lot of the pictures I had taken and the people that I've met and the stories are flooding back. And it's it's really fun to revisit it. Yay. I bet. I can imagine. Super cool. So um, you got started at the radio station. So how did that happen? <laughs> so that's the, kind of my favorite story because it was a completely accidental career. As a photographer, I really was not a photographer. I was kind of dabbling in photography and I had this crazy idea. I found these punk rockers and I dressed them up in prom outfits, <laughs> tiaras and prom dresses. Oh. And I was taking pictures of them. And I have an image I can show you of what started the whole thing. Wow. And I told my boss who um, I was a maid. I was a maid for this guy. <laughs> and I was a very happy being a maid. I was young and I was making a lot of money cleaning Uh this guy's house. And I had no idea. He said, um, I heard that you've been doing this crazy photography and I would love for you (laughs) to come to my work and show it to me. 
So I got a, a couple of no images way. together and I went to his work, which happened to be the Rock of Boston, WBCN, a t- like a wow. real amazing, um, iconic radio station, not just locally, but nationally. And that night I photographed Aerosmith and oh on a yacht God. first and then a concert. <laughs> and then oh it was God. a four page spread in Billboard magazine. And Holy. that is how I began. That That's unbelievable. That is like everybody's dream like that is like it's unbelievable that that even happened (laughs) I still feel the same way and I I mean it was it sounds great but at the same time I did not know what I was doing so I was really stressed (laughs) out just hanging out with them and taking their pictures at one point I was so nervous (laughs) I stuck my thumb right through the shutter of one of my cameras and I was very lucky (laughs) that I had three cameras with me that night and I was new to the scene and there were several male photographers who were actually quite mean to me and felt very threatened with me, my presence there. And it was a, it was a, it was a long haul. So coming in as a woman photographer, a female photographer at that time was um, a little shocking for some people. Wow. (laughs) And you're a strong woman and you made it through that. I think those guys made me a strong woman. That right there, that situation where the first night, photographing Aerosmith. I had already put my own thumb through the shutter. Another guy came up and like <laughs> smeared my lens just on purpose. The, like one of the other two no. photographers. How and did you handle that moment? I laughed it off. I laughed it off. I picked up another lens and put it on a camera body and just kept shooting. Wow. Not knowing anything I was doing, but I just kept going. There's so many. We ended up being so friends. things in that, how did in that you, story. Like at first off, I guess, how did you even know to bring three cameras? I mean, that's a really great question. I did not know. I just thought one camera would have black and white film. One camera would have color film and then a backup camera in case I mess up. Okay. That's ingenious though. But like where, so you weren't professional that day yet, right? So where did you even get all the equipment? So I had been, so I lived um, as a roommate with uh, a photographer. He was very young and he Maybe wasn't professional yet, but he was starting to be, and his friends were photographers. So I definitely heard a lot of things from them, and yeah. uh, that didn't go over very well either. Because all of a sudden, I was you were <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. I'll see you later. I'm going out with David Bowie. Yeah. Like you know, it wasn't. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, there was. They must yeah. have been a little jealous. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, but they ended up also being very dear friends. So. Uh, but it was it was a definitely a rough beginning. I did take one photo course when I was in college, and the professor told me I was the worst photographer and the worst printer he had what? ever met. And then a year later, I showed him my portfolio, and he had me teach his class, and he was just wonderful about oh, it. Oh, good. So he earned back your trust. Yeah. That's terrible yeah. that so he like, told you that you I, were I, I terrible. I think I might have been because... pretty bad. <laughs> really? I might have been. I mean, we're all bad <laughs> Or worse when we start, I guess. But yeah, I hope it wasn't the male female thing that was. I think it was more the privileged and maybe not so privileged kind of scenario. He just assumed that because I was at the school I was attending that I was privileged and I wasn't. So he was wrong. Yeah, (laughs) that is really great. And I love the fact that you were just out there and you were shooting for fun and you had all these great ideas and you were dressing rock stars up in prom dresses. (laughs) And that, you know, that initiative, you doing something and, you know, you know, they say create every day and shoot for yourself and, you know, that you had these ideas and they led to amazing things. And, and, you know, you weren't sitting on your couch and you were just 
following your passion and that led to you, your whole career happening. Sounds like you didn't even know that was your passion. I really didn't. I was just going to say, I really didn't have a passion for the work. I had a passion for experimenting and creating and I was curious. And like I said, my roommates were photographers. So I had this interest sort of built in because they were so excited about what they were doing. We had a dark room in our basement because, you know, they had built this beautiful dark room and they were a very serious, fine artist. And I might've gone a different direction. <laughs> Very cool. But yeah, I really, I didn't know. I wasn't drawn to celebrities in particular. I didn't find them as fascinating as many people seem to. And so it was very, very interesting to fall into something like that. That must have helped maybe with your relationship with people because you didn't have that starstruck attitude or. I think also in college, I studied psychology and that was really helpful um, being on the, that backside of the camera and not on the front, which I'm not good at at all. Um, but to be able to maybe put people at ease and um, yeah, I thought that was maybe something that helped out, but I yeah. did, I was not that starstruck. Yeah. It's a big part of the job, right? So <laughs> putting people at ease. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. You have to be good with people and like people maybe. And I always think I like people, most people. And until there's people that you find that you, anyways, yeah. That's so funny. I don't think I like people. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just not immediately. I really like to dig deeper and have authentic relationships. And so um, sometimes it would take a while to really click with somebody. And um, a story I have that I think shows that was uh, David Byrne from Talking Heads. Oh. He's super, oh my gosh, super shy. And I'm pretty shy, but he's like, I, that's when I first understood the term painfully shy. He's painfully shy. I had to fly to New York. I had to actually be his groomer. Do you guys still have things like groomers? It was so uh, long ago. Like hair and makeup? I did his hair, <laughs> his makeup, and, his, and, his, and I styled him. And so while we were doing that, we were both just like frozen weird people. <laughs> and then finally, um, I, we were shooting and it was just kind of, he was stiff and I was stiff and it wasn't really working. And I just said... The weirdest thing came to my mind. And I just said, pretend you're Catherine Hepburn. I really don't know why I said that. <laughs> and he got totally into character. And we just like ended up having a great time. So I think a little psychology somehow fit in there. How cool. <laughs> yeah, that's really neat. They, I'm, once again, And that was the cover of Pulse magazine. And that was Tower Records used to have their own magazine, Pulse. And um, yeah. yeah, so that was really fun. Did you get paid? Um for these gigs? I did. I got paid really well. Yeah. So I did a lot of, so first of all, oh, I, I guess we didn't talk about that. I, I became a freelance photographer. So I owned the business. And um, because I started out with Aerosmith in a radio station, uh, I really never, ever had to promote myself or get out there and um, hit the pavement. Uh, they came to me. So it was almost like you get in, accepted into a click that you, they don't really want people in and out of. So you're just in. So I, that's kind of how. I think it still works that way. That's so interesting. And I understand that, that, you know, I would spend sometimes two, three, four days with people and they want to be comfortable that you're, you're a safe person to be with. For sure. Especially as a celebrity of so many people wanting to take so much from you, like emotionally or anything. So exactly. Keep your circle tight probably. Yeah. Um, It's okay. So after your Aerosmith job, did you end up shooting Aerosmith more? Or touring with them or tell me what happened. So they were based in Boston at the time, as as was I. And so I did become one of their main photographers for about eight to 10 years. 
Oh, that's a long period. Yeah, <laughs> it was a long period. But it wasn't really, um, I did a couple of magazine covers with them, but it was a lot of, what do they call it? It was a lot of documentation. So I would go to the museum awesome. with them and take pictures of them at the museum. I would go to interviews with them and take pictures of them. I did a lot of concerts, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot, a lot of concerts, mm-hmm. which luckily I love their music and it was like never got old for me. So that was really fun. Did you... Wow. Um, I mean, you, this is like an ultimate example of faking it till you make it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you basically made it before you even had to fake it. But I know. You, I was, it was, everything <laughs> I do is backwards. I don't, I don't know how that happens. I know. I'm still kind of curious, like, about the very beginning. So um, the first day that you took your work in to your the boss guy of the mm-hmm. radio station or whatever. And yeah. he just thought that it would be a good idea to have you shoot that night. <laughs> I know. He just said, come with me. And we just went off on this grand adventure together. And it was just amazing. Re- really, really cool. I can't, I'm so lucky that any of the images came out that night. And I'll tell you, like, they still use them for every anniversary for their radio station. People, a lot of the DJs have it as their, you know, their Facebook photo. Those, some of the things from that night. Those rolls of film. Yeah. Those very first rolls. Uh-huh. So it's like your first professional captures were of that. Just like. I mean, it was crazy to epic. have a, a four page spread in Billboard magazine. I don't think I realized how crazy that was yeah. at the time because it just came so quickly and easily. Yeah. You're going to have to do something with that magazine, huh? I know. Should I'm trying to find it in my archives and I, and I haven't, I haven't found it yet. I found a lot of the musician magazine and Rolling Stone and I haven't found my billboard. Wait, Some rewind, other. Rewind. You were in Rolling, <laughs> your pictures were featured in Rolling Stone magazine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, so, yeah. Okay. So tell us all the magazines then. I think. Or a few you know, of your, I don't, Yeah. So I think the biggest ones the were ones. what I just mentioned, like Rolling Stone, but they weren't the covers. It wasn't like the big articles. And Musician I had some pretty big articles and the centerfold and stuff like that. Oh, which reminds me, I had my work in Playboy. <laughs> really? <laughs> and um, Who is- I think Steven Tyler, in fact. Um, and then. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Let's see. There were a lot of um, like radio business magazines at the time like billboard I don't even know if that exists anymore but everything was always about the charts and where you were and there were just a lot of industry mags that I shot for that's really Hollywood or um there were a lot of Hollywood you were a staff photographer no it was still freelance over no no, I was never I always worked for myself retainer or something kind of yeah (laughs) exactly so uh, travel places are we mostly everything's based in Boston so we would do, I did travel a little bit just along the East Coast. So like kind of really the Northeast Coast. So, um, but I would always be there like when they'd return from a trip, not always, there were other photographers, but when they would return, I would actually be at the airport documenting their return to the area. I, cool. I don't really know why we did things like that back yeah. then, but we did. They were uh, fun. Were they fun guys to They were fun. Yeah. They were really and- fun and sweet and you know, I got to know their families and we yeah. had some, some nice relationships with them. And yeah, you know, I spent a lot of time with them. Like I said, I was, well, I, maybe I didn't say like I was backstage with them. I was on stage with them. We spent a great deal of time together. I was at all these events with them. We ate meals together. It was, <laughs> yeah. Didn't you, when you were backstage with them and you were there to take photos, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? I was not a groupie. I should make that clear. I think people don't understand <laughs> because in this day and age, there it's paparazzi. This was before the paparazzi and the craze. And I was hired by the band 
by their agents, by their management company, by the record label, or by a magazine. Well, it sounds like you weren't a groupie at all because you didn't even mean to get into this out of like I wasn't really purpose. a group. Yeah, <laughs> I just, there was nobody I could groupie mm-hmm. for. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Okay, so you're backstage and you're taking photos and... Did you feel like you had to limit yourself of what you took pictures of because you were t- taking pictures for them, like marketing? Because I'm assuming that there was some legal things going on sometimes backstage. So I would say with them, they were pretty clean when I was with them. And so, you know, they, that's when they were doing their big sobriety uh, but I would say there were other things going on that, you know, made it <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if, yeah. So would you so just... We, so there were no drugs and there was yeah. rock and roll. But there's so, still there's the, something the else maybe going on there. <laughs> yeah. So did you just shoot through it or... So there were times I got like trapped in a bathroom with them or like something really, really uh. uncomfortable. I mean, I was really, I was with them. I knew what was going on. My jaws oh. dropped open right now. Yeah. So yes. That's I, hilarious. Yep. Yeah. We were, we knew each other well. But did you get these photos? No, I would never take a photo like that. And that's the kind of thing where, of course, you would never continue having your reputation and your job and. They would get mad at that point, right? I just would consider that pretty unprofessional. Like, what's the point? Like, what would, what would be the point of taking? Yeah, I mean, I, like I, that? that's that's a great point in itself. I was I was not there to um, take advantage of anybody. I was there to be helpful and give them. I was going to say give them what they wanted, but that's mm-hmm. not exactly true. But to yeah. pro- give them professionally what they wanted. <laughs> yeah, you were telling a story that didn't include that, right? That, exactly. That didn't need to be a part exactly. of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, because with digital these days, it seems like people shoot sometimes everything, you know. They yeah. Just shoot, shoot, shoot. Right. We didn't really shoot videos back in the day. Videos were like a big production. Yeah. <laughs> you know, big giant camera and lighting, and yeah, that yeah. didn't that didn't happen much. And I did, I did also photograph and document every time they would do a PSA or a, or their videos and all of that. I would be there to to document those. Do you have? Is there a favorite moment, Aerosmith moment that comes to mind? Not really. Isn't that terrible? I mean, I really enjoyed hanging out with them. And like I said, they were, I mean, they were pretty well behaved and fun and yeah. actually pretty smart. And we'd have some great conversations and some of them were political and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a very interesting time. Tip O'Neill was, that was when, um, what was Al Gore's wife's name? Tipper. And Tipper. So Tip O'Neill was another political um, Boston person, our, the speaker of the house actually. And then and then Tip O'Neill. Um, so I actually went, this, you'll like this, Teresa. I went to the Maplethorpe opening with Aerosmith and documented that. And I don't know if you know how controversial that was, but mm-hmm. that's what Tipper, is that her name? Yeah. <laughs> was mm-hmm. very much against. She thought it was amoral and because mm. it was gay man mm-hmm. and took pictures of gay men. And some of it was um, mm. aesthetically quite beautiful and um symmetrical but she didn't necessarily like the content yeah yeah so you know we made some political statements together and that was really fun so so that would be a special moment that I had with them nice art is art it's a good answer (laughs) yeah totally and it was a we worked together on anti-censorship videos and really fun it was a fun time well yeah because Tipper Gore was totally the censorship absolutely yeah the parental advisory sticker Issue. Yeah, the, Promoter, the, yeah, right. Like okay. for music, which yeah, started with music. The CDs. I mean, it was CDs, the 80s. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember. No. Was it albums or CDs? I, I don't, don't even know. know. I know that we have that. We have that on our 
podcast, you have to say parental advisory or not. But I don't know if they wow. still have the sticker on music. I think mm-hmm. they, they do. Yeah, I can visualize it. You know, it has it's that certain Definitely font. Part of our, it was yeah. part of Black our life for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, Tipper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of children's lives out there. <laughs> but, you know, censoring music. So and art, I don't know. Censoring art music, it's the way to go. Yeah. So um, along with Aerosmith, you got to where there a lot of assignments came to you, right? Yeah. So then it became quite honestly every day and every night of my life for probably ten, eight to ten years, maybe maybe twelve. Seven days a week, almost always. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Was it exhausting? Or it was were exhausting. You, you know what? You guys really don't know. It was exhausting because I then had to go home in my home darkroom and develop everything, print it in my darkroom, and deliver it the next morning. That's you, what it used to be like. You yeah. no sleep. You did all. I did all of it. Dividing. I had to actually even hand deliver it. Couldn't even send it through a service. It was very different. Wow. Then. So I had I had to build the, like a studio and a darkroom yeah. right into my house. That's. <laughs> I mean, awesome. I can imagine. I mean, you keep assuming that we're younger than we are, but I mean, I did a lot of black and white printing, and I didn't shoot digital till my mid twenties. So I had to, you know, do a lot of yeah. the film stuff. But we were right. I on can't the imagine. Cusp. When I started working professionally at newspapers, mm-hmm. I had to shoot sports and then send things off digitally, even when the stuff was slow, like the web was, you know, it was technically, I think it was so much slower. I, I, I often ask the people I worked with, my older photographers, just, I can't believe you used to have to shoot like this special, uh, um, professional sports game and then, yeah. and then go and roll it onto a reel and develop the negatives yeah. and then develop the pictures and then send it in yeah. to the next day's newspaper. So Exactly. It was for like... Or the front page of the newspaper. So it had to be really early in the morning as well. So there was just no way to sleep in between. So it was a lot of late nights and early mornings. And then oh it happened over gosh. and over and over. So I was glad I was in my 20s and yeah. I could recover from that. But yeah, it was um, it was grueling. It was constant. So digital is easier, you think? <clears throat> I mean, so I don't know that much about the digital yeah. world. I did go back to college in my 40s to try to learn Photoshop and I loved it. Um, but it, I don't know. It's yeah. just a very different... You, you know, I this these archives just came a couple of weeks ago, so yeah. it's all relatively new to me again. And the feel and the look of this paper, I yeah. was shocked by how rich and like it's just a phenomenal experience that nobody has anymore. And it's just explain true. to like the, the listeners who can't see the archives are basically <laughs> like black and white prints. It's yeah. mostly black and white prints, and because we didn't have Photoshop. We had to shoot perfectly and that, you know, unless you were looking for green, you'd try to get it so that it was pretty much green free. Mm-hmm. Do you guys even know what green yeah. is? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I, my, because I shot a lot with medium format, my goal was always, can this go be used on a billboard? Cause I had a lot of my work on billboards and, um, and so if you look, you know, corner to corner at every, like a large image, you want to, you don't really want to see the green. So we'd have to kind of know our lighting pretty well and you'd get your exposures. We try to make the film itself perfect. But I was curious because you shot film, you shot Tri-X or you shot black and white. I liked liked Ilford. Yeah. Okay. Did you push push it though? Oh, I did so many different things. So that's the other thing is I make it more grainy probably. I look at my work now and I, I really, I don't know from someone else's perspective, but I didn't necessarily have a style because I was always experimenting. And I Mm -hmm. think I, I had an innate skill or um, 
whatever um, traits I, I carry inside. And then I would just experiment all the time and try to push myself, push the film, you know, even with color, you know, really experiment with the development of that. And so sometimes I was very technical and sometimes I was super on the fly and really casual and it was always something different. And it always worked out for you or did you no. blow it? <laughs> oh no, experiments <laughs> do not always work out, but that's how you learn. Yeah. That's the best way to learn. So that whole first year, which seems so long ago now, mm-hmm. I worked for um, a studio, um, a photo development lab, a photo lab. That's what they were called. And I learned everything because I was super <laughs> curious how it actually worked, you know, not just how the camera worked, but how the film and yeah. all of the chemicals and how to develop and then how to print. Yeah. And um, it took a good year before something clicked in my head with the math and the science behind, you know, how mm-hmm. to really take a good, a good photo. And but it's before that, you- I was very lucky or not. I was yeah. going to say, you, do- you dove right into it. Like, accidentally, this this career path like accidentally grabbed you and you decided to kind of just, just go with it. But it seems like, you, and you went and worked at a photo lab to learn more. So you're kind of the type of person that's interested in doing things right. Is that what kind of how you are? I think I'm also like a, a tinkerer. Like I always want to know how things work and how things look inside. And even if it's the government, like I'm just, you know, so for photography, Am I too far away? No, you're for, good. But for yeah. photography, I wanted to understand. It's actually complicated, you know, really learning how the insides of a camera work with the mirror image and the f-stops and the speed of the film versus the speed of the camera. Yeah. And it just my brain shut down. Like the math and the science behind it, really, my brain could just literally could not accept it until maybe a year in. So I, I did. I wanted to read. I studied Ansel Adams. I studied like all the greats. I read a, a, a lot of books. I actually have an amazing photo book collection. Ooh. And that's how I learned. Yeah. Trying, it, trying it myself and seeing what other people did. It seems like you mastered your skills. And what's funny about that is I had no, I was so insecure <laughs> because I wasn't trained and I never had the confidence that I, I wish now that I look back and I think, holy smokes, like <laughs> this isn't just um, a snapshot of somebody. This is a well thought out picture yeah. and really... Um, Sometimes not always technically good. And, um, but I didn't, I didn't walk into any day feeling super confident. Yeah. Do you think that's like an artist thing? I mean, oh. I, I know a lot of artists have that. That's a good point. Problem. I feel like that, you know, you're like, nothing I do is good enough. And everybody and else's work is so great. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. Cause it's also a wow. good lesson to just still move forward and put one foot in front of the other and pursue it no matter. Ignore those voices. It's so funny because now it's a very famous phrase, but I would say, nevertheless, she persisted. Like, yes, that was the motto of my life. I love it. Yeah, that is a great, great quote. Motto. So a lot of these pictures, I mean, we're going to have to show some of these on our, we have a website. We can would that be them. okay if we share them? That would be okay. Yay. It would be fun. Big, big watermarks on them. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, a lot of these pictures, you know, you, yeah. it looks like you got pretty intimate not intimate in that way, but, you know, intimate as in the, 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 you, you were hanging out with the subject. They were your friend. They looked comfortable. Yeah. So often they would come on a tour and it would be regional or they'd be there for some some reason or another. And I would spend two or three or four days with them, which meant I was 
literally with them the entire time and we would eat meals together and well not I didn't sleep with them if that's <laughs> yeah. what you're getting at for no. intimacy. Um, but uh, we were we spent a lot of time together and did become friendly and it was fun also to go back and see the pictures that people took of me with these artists I thought that was really fun to see yeah. like how sweet so many relationships were in such a short amount of time. Yeah, that's great that you have that. You know, it's not just you behind the camera. It's in front of the camera a little bit. And you were so much a part of that whole story and what was happening there. It's really cool. And I do feel like you learn a lot about a person when you go out to dinner with them or eat with them. And then when you photograph them the next day, it's a completely different relationship that you have with them. So that was great. I love that and hate that because sometimes you only get to work with someone, you know, for a couple hours and depending mm -hmm. on that person or your connection with them, it's not always able, you're not always able to like break through that and really, you know, tap into it. And then it's like, oh, the shoot's over. You like connect and then you're like, okay, bye. You know, sorry, we couldn't have well, Some of the best pictures, at least of other people's that I look at um, are the awkward moments. Like I kind of <laughs> like the tension sometimes. I didn't love being the one taking a picture with, with tension between us, although it worked out well with um, like David Byrne, you know, because of the melting moment. Um, mm -hmm. But I do see some pretty famous photographers with some wacky, uncomfortable moments I love because it just shows how human people are. Yeah. How human people are. Hmm. Yeah. How human we all are. Human we all are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was curious. I mean, after spending more, uh, so much time with a lot of these musicians and even celebrities, which we haven't even touched on some of those yet, but um, is there any common thread you felt? I mean, is that what you come, came to the conclusion that they're all just people or is there something kind of about musicians that, you kind of feel as a group, there had some similarity. Well, kind of both. I mean, I did notice that every male rock band wants to look like God. I mean, they all <laughs> want to look the same. And I had to really learn how do you shoot black on black on black on black and still show the different black That's details. Hard. Where it's really hard. And so that was where my brain would hurt, you know, and, and everybody wanted the same, same kind of look, but I wanted to get like the detail of their hair and the detail of the leather. And, yeah. you know, back in the day, everyone wore leather. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but everybody is themselves after a while. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of common threads, how they want to be presented to the world, but maybe privately it's a, it's a little bit of a different story. So should we? I was gonna. About I'm gonna. Photos? I'm gonna tell you a story about. Um, okay. All right, here. So Please. this is. So this is on top. So I did this series. So here's another thing that you kind of alluded to. So it took me almost ten years of falling into this accidental career <laughs> to realize I don't have to make every band look like a god, and I don't have to make like they don't all have to look the same. I can really take the initiative, do what I want. And then I started the Stars and Cars series where um, they get to choose a car and they can jump on it. They could stand in front of it. They could do whatever they wanted. And that was um, a series I decided to do for myself instead of always basically working for someone else and being on someone else's mission. I understand that. You yeah. did this. And so, so this, do you know when this series started or about... I think probably around four years in, actually, like 88, I think I started it, but then I turned it into something. I realized it could be something okay. um, a few a few years after that. Very cool. My God, 88. That so sounds was so that the beginning of that series? or So this wasn't the beginning, but this is exactly speaks to what you were talking about. I did not have that much time with Johnny Rotten or yeah. uh, John Lydon, depending on whether he's <laughs> Sex Pistols or... 
um, PIL. Oh, and, um, I love that. That's amazing. So you can see a car in the background. It's actually a limousine and he would sit on the hood and I'd get everything ready. You can see how dark it is. And I had to shoot with flash and yeah. I had a Hasselblad. So it wasn't that easy to manipulate. Whoa. Every time I went to take the picture, <laughs> he would run towards me really fast. Like he was, he's a little crazy. And so, um, we didn't know each other that well and he was just being him and I was just like, oh my God, I have to deal with this situation. So I have a bunch of pictures of him running at me like from different angles and black oh and white in color. Gosh. All my cameras trying to do this in the very dark of night. That's amazing. But, so and how oh, so hard you're shooting a flash straight at That's him. That's like so. so hard to focus and he's running at you. Weren't it you was like? really frustrating, but I couldn't show it because I didn't want to get in a fight with him. Yeah, weren't you like, dude, stop. I did. I did say, dude, stop, I'm sure, yes. How many rolls of film did you go through? Oh, this was actually, I probably only did like six shots of him running at me with this particular camera, but I had other cameras going at the same time, black and white in color. And um, again, I typically had three cameras on my shoulders and I would just. And you got the shot. I got a bunch of them. That's your edit one. I want to see the Johnny Rotten shot again. Here's Johnny Rotten. Oops, I sorry, love his expression. If we can share some of these, then, every, then when people listen, they can here's follow Here's a calm, along. a very calm person, which was lovely. Yeah, we'll come in, <laughs> we'll come in a little closer. Unexpected and lovely. Who's that, man? Alice Cooper. Love it. Just a lovely, oh, lovely guy. Love it. But then I was going to show you, if I can find it, if I even have it in here. I have some really funny ones that I just was going through. So there's Mel Torme. I don't know if you guys know who Mel Torme is, but there's Mel Torme. I mean, this is what I love about the series. I have, I have, I have, um, not Slaughter Shack. What is that Sebastian Bach band? Yeah. Um, Skid Row. Skid, Skid Row, Row, right next to Jimmy Carter. So like, <laughs> here's Jimmy Carter. How did you get Jimmy Carter? Yeah, in your I want to know. Series? Yeah. How did you get these people? And, uh, so this is a lovely story as well. So. This was right in front of the radio station where I did a lot of these photographs and um, he was promoting a book. So he was doing an interview and I was photographing the interview for the DJ and he and I, he's just a very warm person and I don't even remember what we talked about. And then yeah. we were shaking hands and I just said, do you, would you be willing to be in my stars and car series? And he <laughs> agreed. But what's funny about it is, Everywhere he goes, Secret Service still went. And yeah. so they they just came, came around me, surrounded me, <laughs> and blocked me to have a private time with him. And then they went around me in front of me and, like, circled around him and pushed him right into the car and left. Like, we didn't wow. get to – we were like, bye. Thank like, you. Know, yeah. <laughs> so interesting. And I just remember the formation of the Secret Service was very impressive. Yeah. Did, um, so I was looking for an Iggy Pop shot, but I didn't see it. So I got to have, I think, many years in a row I got to work with him. But um, sometimes we would be able to have meals together. And at that time, I don't think he'd ever remember me. But at the time, we felt a little bit close. And mm-hmm. so when I photographed him, it was very warm and, um, you know, sweet. And how fun. I don't want to say loving because that's pushing yeah. it a little too far. But he was Connected. very comfortable to to sit for me. So How it sounds cool. like he's a nice person. So he's an interesting person. An interesting and person. I, I, I would say he's like everybody. He's nice and he's wild and he's crazy and he's, you know, limitless. And um, yeah, he's a, he's a, a real artist. <laughs> so he's he's not in your series or he might be. He is, you have to go I think through some of like your negatives. Different. 
different size here. Any other stars and cars you want to share? Oh, yeah. We need Yoko, right? Oh, my Yoko Ono was gosh. one of the sweetest people I ever met, which was a total surprise. The one, the weirdest, the neatest people? Here's, here's sweetest. sweetest. Here's Iggy. Oh, so Mr. Pops, um, a kind of a unique picture of him. Yeah. So we have pictures of him giggling. We have um, and speaking of giggling. So that's so Yoko, I was photographing the interview with her. I left the recording studio to go to the boss's office for something. And she came up behind me. (laughs) She's tiny. Mm -hmm. And she for some reason, put my arm around her and just snuck herself into my um, crook of my arm, <laughs> giggling and say, and like inviting me to her art show and saying how fun it was like to hang out with me. Like I, I didn't know her. And yeah. it was, I was literally walking down the hall feeling like a giant for one thing going, Yoko Ono's in my arm, Yoko Ono's <laughs> in my arm. Like, I don't know what to do right now. Like, Yoko, like she's, I'm hugging Ooh. Yoko Ono and she's, her arms around me. She's like scooting me down the hallway laughing and sweet and so it's really nice to be able to see that side of a lot of people that we think of as being really kind of hard and um obviously they're super creative but they're also sweet and lovely and so did you I mean did you happen to be shooting an event where she was at so then you got to ask her this is is also in front of the radio station so um the radio station was called the rock of boston and there was this some sort of I don't remember some sort of competition and this guy turned his VW bug into a rock through I don't know paper mache I was wondering or, I'm like what's wrong with that car and what's he won like $25,000 from the radio station Sweet. for doing that I love how she chose to sit with her legs apart like that like a little more the man, man spreading yeah masculine yeah. masculine yeah. And it is interesting because that's the photograph of her, but my memory of her is the exact opposite. She was just so bubbly. Yeah. And fun. And so open. Free spirited and and carefree, sort of. Yeah. Light and and airy. Because of, do you know the band The Cult? Yeah. So this was um, Ian and (laughs) Renee, who was, was, what was that song about her? Anyway, his muse for his music. Wow. Um, he, they were obsessed with Yoko. So they were like, we got to, where's that car? Where's that car? We got to get our picture taken oh, with that wow. car. Because they had oh, heard gosh. about the photograph I had taken with Yoko or they had seen it somewhere. Oh man, that's so, so cool. So that was super cool. I'll have to post that. I love how it's, is this snowing in that picture? It is snowing, yes. Oh, <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. I love that you picked up on that. Do Isn't you, she pretty? So Boston Renee? was a big yeah. music scene back then, but I mean, how far away is Boston? Because we're West Coast and I have no clue. How far away is it from New York City driving? So I flew when I would work and I feel like it was maybe an hour and a half, but I honestly don't remember. Because a lot of the music scene probably was based out of New York City. Like it was probably Iggy, it was probably New York. So it was a lot of Boston. So that's like the interesting thing. First of all, that radio station was um, king. They were just the best at what they did because they did, they kind of pioneered rock and roll radio. And, um, their playlists were stronger than anybody else's. And um, so people came. Yeah. But Boston is a college town and there are a lot of shows, a lot of shows. So we we were very lucky. And they're an amazing, obviously it's a base for Aerosmith, the band Boston. I think there was like Mm -hmm. a Mass or Massachusetts band, (laughs) Um, Peter Wolf, Jay Giles, the Cars. So it had its, its scene. It wasn't. It had a, a pretty intense it had scene. A name and a scene. And then a lot of those very well-known musicians 
Did I mention the cars? I feel guilty if I didn't. Okay. Um, I think earlier did, now, now you did. Yeah. And they actually mentored the younger bands. And there were some amazing bands. There's also the Berkeley College of Music there, which is um, oh. a phenomenal music college. And a lot of great people came out of there. I don't oh, have a list. That That's not in Berkeley? No, it's in Boston. And uh, Till yeah. Tuesday was a Boston band. I don't know. Yes, that sounds, that rings a bell. Yeah, you're too, you're too um, has, <laughs> I wonder if like there's been a documentary or anything done on the radio station. Because it seems like it would be... There are a lot I'm of books written and there have been a lot of magazine articles, but I don't know about right. a documentary. That's, check, that's a check cool. Check that out. Yeah. More. Um, so you never completed your, this story. Uh-oh. About what, what story? No, your <laughs> photo story about the celebrities and cars. Cars and series. Stars. Oh, and so really, so that's one of the things I'm, you know, I wanted my archives to see, first of all, who I photographed because I really couldn't remember. I mean, it's, I'm going to go on another tangent. It's so funny when people will say like, oh, who'd you photograph? And I, like I, I, I draw a blank because yeah. first of all, it's so many people, Yeah. but then I can't remember. And I had a situation where someone said, did you ever photograph Ozzy Osbourne? And I'm like, no, I would remember that. And then I was looking through my files and I totally photographed Ozzy Osbourne and totally forgot about it. So wow. that's how many people yeah. I worked with that I couldn't even remember. Yeah, you know, they all just so. look, they look the same too much. And David Bowie, you said? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, huh? there was, um, I won't, Dave, I mean, like every... Almost everyone you ever heard of from that era was um, <laughs> I worked with. Almost everyone. Well, I mean, there were some big people. I didn't really work with the Rolling Stones. I didn't really work with Guns and Roses. A little Guns and Roses. I got Slash in here somewhere. You do. And mm-hmm. nice, uh, the best one in the band. <laughs> I don't know. I go. I like Duff, but. <laughs> and, and the list is so long that it, that's part of the fun. It's like just this present that keeps yeah. on giving right now. It's just this treasure trove. And I just cannot believe all the people that I worked with. And um, was, yeah, it's it was an be, amazing time of life. I can't imagine when you have it all organized because then you'll really be able to know and and these are and these are the prints it. that are printed that I can see most of it's negative still right and, and transparency so that is be, really exciting it's a right? national treasure with those, those <laughs> <negatives>. <laughs> if someone wants to revisit the 80s then yeah <laughs> 80s music scene do you have a photographer friends from um from that era that you were that you shot with that you saw you know different events or concerts like people that you hanging with and I did I had um quite a few so those my roommates um mm-hmm. Jake and then his best friend Winslow who um is just an amazing photographer Jake's gone on to um he worked with Prince and um some really mm-hmm. big names and he's more of a commercial photographer Winslow's more of a fine artist and he captures cultures and um and then a guy named Phil in a flash who was like the epitome of punk rock photography <laughs> cool and uh yeah there are quite a few michael greco i don't know if you know him he's more of a hollywood photographer now he's the one who smashed my lens oh really <laughs> did, you, did you remind, and then remind you, him of that just to remind you michael <laughs> but we ended up friends and you know okay good under the bridge as they say nice it was a great i learned you know adversity is what makes you better right i learned so many life lessons from all of that yeah, you can't sometimes learn if, you know, the stress isn't put on you or you're not put in a situation where you need to step problem solve your way out of it. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Fun. Did, did I see that you had a photo of Annie Leibovitz? 
I didn't bring it, but I do have several times that I that I photographed her. And that was so fun because obviously I, I adored her. Yeah. Um, but there was one time. So there were a couple of times when it was just events and it was really I was just documenting her and she was very nice. to. She's always very nice to other photographers. But there was another time when I was doing her headshot and um, like a real portrait of her. And she gave me a little note about she did not like technically how I set up the lighting. And then I had to remind really? her that I was using black and white, not color, because she was really giving me color notes. And so oh. that was a fun interchange. And oh that was my. lovely because then afterwards... Um, she signed a, be- a her book and that she wrote a beautiful, beautiful letter to me about how nice it was to be photographed by me. So that's really? a, a real personal that's, that's treasure. That's kind of an ultimate, ultimate compliment. Yeah. It's definitely nerve wracking to shoot another photographer. And then oh, yeah. for yeah. Andy Leibovitz, it's like, okay. Yeah, oh. that was crazy. And the next week was Richard Avedon. And I don't know if you know what? who that yeah, is, but yes. that it was uh, a crazy week. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would have been like the best week of my life. How did, yeah. did they come to you or were they were, were both coming to do interviews at that radio station? Wow. So that was like the hub for me. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, yeah stressful though. I, I'd be stressed out. I did. I got more stressed out about um, is this going to be a good image and will I get it in on time than I yeah. did about meeting meeting people. No, yeah. I'm stressed about making the good images. Well, it sounds like you were shooting so constantly that you got pretty, probably got pretty comfortable in what you were doing. I did. And, and I'm, I'm very, I shouldn't say now, but I became very comfortable shooting concerts and, um, really moved into color. And, uh, I always shot, um, Hasselblad while I was at a concert too. So it was a very heavy, I always like, I have neck problems and shoulder problems now because of it. I carried some always at least, you know, 50, 50 pounds a shoulder maybe. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I got really, really comfortable doing would, the concert you photography. You would like two Hasselblads on you? I had one Hasselblad and at least two Nikons, maybe three. <laughs> and all the gear. <laughs> yeah, that's not, And I had to stop and change easy. the film. Those days were so funny. Yeah. Make, make sure you label it so you don't put it through again. Uh, yeah. I learned that lesson that oh, way. Oh, yeah. You yeah. can do that with cards, too. You can format them before mm-hmm. you transfer the files. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before, I, I actually was just curious, too. Um, you shot a lot of these local bands in Boston. And you shot a lot of local bands, and I looked up who they were because I didn't know who they were. But it seemed like a lot of them were hardcore or metalcore. Or, is this the kind of music you were into? So it did end up being uh, actually my range. I mean, I love classical music and I'm not huge on jazz, but I like some. And I just have a huge range of music that I love. But I did end up in kind of the speed metal world and I did love it. Yeah, absolutely loved it. It was a lot of maybe the movement that was happening then and the radio station. What was going on? I'm not really sure how that happened, but Uh um but it did. Yeah. You know, you just sort of get pigeonholed sometimes. And, and it did, obviously, a huge range of other things as well. And I was also working with um, authors and politicians and, you know, famous yeah. people for other reasons. But for the music, I somehow got sucked into that world. Yeah. It's like one person has your name, gives it to their friend, and they're, they're the same type of mu- musician or, or whatnot. And Yeah. Um, so personally, I'm just curious if I know that you've, you know, moved off, and you moved on, you don't you know, haven't been part of the music world for a long time, but can you still respect, do you still appreciate, can you, can you still find, I know you seem like you're just kind of recently revisiting this part of your life, but can you still find appreciation for that kind of music or like a modern version of hard, harder core rock or punk music? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny. Um, 
I mean, you never, I don't think you ever stop loving the music that's part of your life, mm-hmm. part of your life story. I mean, mm-hmm. it's definitely the backdrop to my, <laughs> a big part of my life. And yeah. I have a lot of memories that pop up and good and bad. <laughs> and yeah. um, yeah, no, absolutely. And like I was saying, a lot of the bands that I photographed over and over again, you know, they put on the same show somewhat over and over again. It's the same songs, but they don't get old if you love them. If they love them and you love them, it's yeah. just phenomenal to be able to actually see someone perform something and the subtle changes and working with Aretha Franklin uh, was super fun what? because <laughs> I got to be the only person in the front of the stage. Everybody was held at bay, which was often happened, but with her I wasn't really singing. She was clearly on stage, but I would just like run from, so she was very active on stage and I'd be able to run from side to side. I go, you know, like I was just singing my guts out and we'd be looking at each other and, you know, singing to each other. So that was, yeah. Wow. Really what an experience. Yeah. Good life experience. So speaking of a wreath. I'm sorry. I can't sing. I'm not the worst. I'm a photographer, not a singer. Yeah. Christy does the singing on this show. I, I often not test me. out the mics with my wonderful singer. <laughs> so, yeah. So you mentioned earlier to us off Mike, that you had worked with Tina Turner. So I need to know a little bit more about that. So that was uh, one of my life lessons as well. She was um, really influential, even though I really, I think, only met her one time. And uh, we were at the Four Seasons Hotel and we were doing, she was doing a promo and I think maybe even opening a new song or a new album that she was promoting to the industry. And I was wearing a typical like skin tight. I was probably like really high heels and like my, my clothes could have been tattooed onto me. Shooting in high heels. Oh, I did a lot of that. I have a good story about that too. And um, (laughs) that's how I was young and I was strong and I could do it. Um, It was crazy now. I'm probably paying for it, but um, yeah. And she, she saw some things that were uncomfortable happening with some, some of the men who were there for me. And she came over to me. She took me aside. Actually, she took me outside of the mm-hmm. hotel room and said, look at me and look at what I'm wearing. You know who I am and what I do and how everybody knows me for my legs. I'm wearing a suit. You need to wear a suit from now on. You're a woman in a service industry in the rock and roll industry. And so wow. you, if you want to avoid situations like this, take your power back. And I went right out and I bought Two Chanel suits and a Donna Karen. Oh my and gosh. And I that's what I wore forever after that. Wow. Never ever dressed like a a potential groupy looking kind of person. Yeah. I always kept it really professional after that. So wow. that was one of the best lessons I got. And it's obviously when Tina Turner gives you advice, you're gonna take <laughs> it. <laughs> for sure. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. That is a great I'll, story. I'll forever love her for that. Yeah, I take that advice. Did it make a difference? It did make a difference. She totally knew what she was talking about. Yeah. It made a difference, but it also made a difference in my mindset. And I think that's, that happens sometimes when you dress differently. Yeah. And so that was my first lesson in that. Now I dress like a farmer, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You dress for the occasion, right? I I understand that. I like to, I do black sometimes and, um, you know, dress to fit where I'm going. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I actually think it boosted my career. I, I think that the, oh. I think that I was seen a different way I, and I made myself be seen a different way. And um, I just really took it to heart. I thought it was amazing, impactful advice that I got from her. I you know it's it. interesting too. So often I think that might've helped let you be more accepted by the women 
probably around you too. Well, that's such an interesting point. Like she's, she's not serious. Being threatened. Well, because I mean, I think you're a beautiful woman, and I look at the <laughs> pictures of you when you're younger too. I mean, you definitely could have been a threat to people, you know. So, in a way, if you dress less flashy, maybe you're less threatening to other women. That's at least my theory. On or just yeah, more in life, more business, right? Like she's like here. You're not here to. She's uh, doing business. She's not. T- I mean, I think the women, the wives of the people that I worked with on a regular basis, totally trusted me because they knew me. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. As far as if someone didn't know me, I could totally see that being a problem. You get mixed in with the groupies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one likes People those. say that to me all the time. Oh, you were a groupie? Yeah. I'm like, no, I was like a highly paid professional. Thank you. Yeah. I was not a groupie. That is awesome. <laughs> you were like anti-groupie. Yeah. So you're not a photographer anymore. I'm not a photographer not anymore. professionally. And, um, you know, now I take pictures of plants and kids. And, yeah. Yeah. C- can, is there a reason why? So I manage, I, I do actually develop, manage, uh, and manage um, educational gardens and farms for a living now. And I have um, been working with the Encinitas Union School District and completely changing their lunch program from completely packaged to completely scratch cooked. And I became, I helped them become the first organically certified school district in the country growing our own school lunches. Yeah. That's amazing. But in between groundbreaking, I was um, a professional welder in between being a photographer and a farmer. (laughs) (laughs) So that is like my favorite thing is that my background is so eclectic and I love change. And like I said, I'm curious about how things work. And so yeah. that's what happened with both of those careers as well. Was How was your welding career? Quite successful or? It say? was. Again, I really fell into something amazing. And by accident, I, <laughs> I literally, I decided I want to, I want to be more creative. I want to have more creative control mm-hmm. than I was having with, you know, shooting celebrities. Cause I really went from rock and roll and then moved to LA and worked in Beverly Hills. And then I was shooting, um, movie stars. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so that's pretty much the same shot every time, as far as I'm concerned. And I realized I'm on the periphery of these creative people, but I'm not being the creative person. And so Mm. I wanted to go back to school to become a journalist. And I went to Santa Monica College and they didn't have journalism classes. So I went through the entire catalog and I got to the W's (laughs) and I was like, well, I got to pick something. I'll pick welding. (laughs) And I fell in love with it. And I started to make stuff and sell it at the Rose Bowl flea market. And people were buying it and putting it on TV shows and in the movies. And all of a sudden, I was getting hired by, I know. So I became like, I started to help build movie sets. And I was starting to have my lamp line, like do custom stuff for a lot of TV shows and movies. that took you out of photography then. So like that became. Yeah, then I took pictures of metal. (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of filled your time and photography kind of phased out then? Yeah. I specifically um, took control and decided I really wanted those negatives and prints to go away. So I did put them in boxes and. No more. I needed to have have a different life. Yeah. Because like I said, it was every day and every night. So I'm shooting concert every night. I'm hanging out with these people constantly. And after a while, I thought, that's not the life I want to lead. I want to be more creative and have more um, fun. (laughs) Did you burn out? Or was was it like a little mini burnout on that? I'm not really sure because it was so long ago. I just remember feeling like I was starting to have a bad relationship with my camera. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I, um, I wasn't loving it. I see. Yeah, that. I'm really, I'm a follow your passion kind of person. And yeah. um, I, the, the passion wasn't there. What's interesting mm-hmm. is, well, like you didn't even choose to do that, to choose to do photography. And then you kind of chose by looking to the catalog, apparently, <laughs> to, do, to do welding. Something different. So it kind of had a different like ownership over what you were doing. Yeah. I actually found some amazing similarities just architecturally and like taking, making something out of nothing. And, you know, it was different, but it was, there were, it was familiar enough that it was comfortable for me. But I need to ask, I feel like there's some advice you would have because the way for you to be successful in three different careers (laughs) that a lot of people spend, I mean, Teresa and I are still trying to be very successful, be more successful (laughs) with our photography. You know, like we definitely haven't had it handed to us, I guess, you know, in a way that, and we've worked hard and we, we always make a living at it. But um, what do you think it is? I mean, do you, your personality type besides, okay, you having a talent at it, maybe, you know, innate artistic sense of things, but uh, are you just a really hard worker? Do you, do you believe in like, just no? No, I just, <laughs> I mean, it's a great question and I, I don't have the answer. I do think that persistence is part of it. I think being finding your voice and being authentic is part of it, which takes me a long time. So I'm not saying like, you know, that right away. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily know. I know that I like to be helpful. That's my, that's kind of my bottom line. So Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when you're known as being helpful, the right people hopefully are attracted to that. Yeah. And then you become, I don't know closely aligned with the right people. I'm not really sure, but I'm, I do take, I do believe in not just being authentic, but hanging out with people who are authentic. I definitely see people who I really admire and those are the people I'm drawn to. And they're usually better at everything than I am, like a a specific subject or um, skill. And those are the people I want to learn from. And I think that might be part of it as well as I'm learning from people that, um, are already doing something amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you surround yourself by people who you admire and who are maybe even going, doing more than you've done. It's going to pull you forward with them. Yeah. I never feel like I'm the most talented person in the room or the smartest person in the room or, but I love surrounding myself with people who are and really just watching them work and see how much they can accomplish. And I like to take my lessons from people like that. That's awesome. It's an awesome outlook. <laughs> I, I totally believe in that. And it's it's inspiring uh, advice, you know, to follow and to aspire to. And I do, I do believe in allowing yourself to fail. And I think that that's kind of a popular thing right now. But I've always allowed myself mm. to fail and learn from it, even though it's really hard. I... Um, I do love learning. I'll never stop. I'm a lifetime learner. I think yeah. that's a lot of it too. Yeah, I like that too. I would say we could end here, but yeah. I kind of feel like I want a few more questions about like some of the Hollywood days. <laughs> do you it's want, up to you. Do yeah, you totally up to you. Give me, just give us, give us that's five a, more minutes. Okay, that's a nice wrap up. <laughs> it is. We can always just wrap it up right there. No, that is other part. No, okay. Um, I have a great Hollywood story. I need some ho- a few Hollywood stories because not only we're did you so shoot close music, to Hollywood, and we well, do kind of 
You didn't have an interest in celebrity, but I have a little more. Yeah, I'm, we're, a, little, I'm we're, a little more entertained by yeah. that world. So <laughs> I know it's true. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun to revisit. Like I'm so glad I'm away from not just celebrities, but the people who are, who surround celebrities. I think that was the issue for me. Like the name droppers and the braggers, and I don't really love it that. May, not I don't see not any. a pretty world, right? Like from an outsider's perspective, you just see the movies and the photos and. And all that fun stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. But and then when you scratch the surface, side. it's like hmm, a little scary yeah. in there. Yeah. But you, <laughs> you did have some fun, fun experiences. Well, so my favorite, I think my favorite Hollywood moment, I hope that this is Hollywood, but I, I worked as a studio manager for a famous photographer in Beverly Hills. So that was a great gig to have. Wow. And one day he finally, I think it was pretty new, like maybe three weeks in, because I remember I was pretty new from Boston. And I moved to L.A., didn't know that many people. <laughs> and then you just if got the, the most amazing job. And ever. I did. I got the most amazing job. And then this, and then this oh, happened, which was like just the culmination of everything. He was leaving to do a photo shoot. And then he threw me, he was like, you know, he threw me the keys to his Jaguar. And he's like, can you take the Jaguar <laughs> up into the hills and we'll meet you at Frank Sinatra's house? Oh my God. Oh. And I get oh to God. Frank Sinatra's house and like, they had given me the code and they were like, oh, Mim, we've been expecting you. <laughs> the gates open and I go in and there's another shoot happening at the same time with Richard Avedon. And he's like, Mim, it was like oh. three weeks after I had met him in oh, Boston. Oh my God. My old and friend. So, yeah, oh Richard Avedon. It just doesn't get better than that. He's like, I know you. And yeah. he took a very famous picture of Frank Sinatra that day. And we um, we did some other pictures. And then wow. Barbara Sinatra was there as well. And she said, hey, we're doing um, a photo shoot also. Like there was a lot going on in their house that day. We're doing a photo shoot in the kitchen for our cookbook. Do, will you just style the cover for us? So I styled the cover of their cookbook in their kitchen that oh day as God. well. So that was published. Yeah, that sounds very Hollywood. It me. was the best Hollywood <laughs> moment, like like in your wildest dreams, that the gate opening and some strange voice over that intercom saying, man, we've been expecting you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, what is it happening? It sounds like a dream. Yeah. Did you have great. your cameras on you or were you the assistant? I was assistant? the assistant, yeah. I was really managing. I was not shooting at the time. So I helped set up the... The backdrop and the lighting and nice. got to test, you know, Frank Sinatra. Oh, just stay right there, sir. <laughs> we got you covered. What do you remember about him? It was late in life for him. So, um, but he was super gracious and I just couldn't believe I was like in his home and he yeah. and his wife were like, are you, are you hungry? Do you want something to drink? You know, they were lovely. Such a character. And then what about uh, Sam Kinison? Oh, yeah. So Sam Sam was quite a character and he um, (laughs) you might not like some of these stories. So he um, he was friends with a lot of people at the at BCN at the radio station. And he actually was also on um, what did they call it? The ball busters, a a softball team that they had. (laughs) So I always went and photographed the softball team because they always had amazing guests. And Sam was there a couple of times with um, his sidekick who I can't remember. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I can't know. remember. And I'm not going to tell the whole story, mm-hmm. but there was one time when he was at the radio station in the room where all the old, like the 12 by 12 albums were stored and he was going through them. But I caught him doing something illegal that he shouldn't have been doing. And I got mad at him. 
and he turned mm-hmm. around and that's the picture. Um, and I should show it to you that oh and I think gosh. he signed it for me even because he, he, he t- I took a picture of him going, ah, cause he was mad at me and I was yeah. mad at him and he wrote, ah, and, you know, it was famous. And it was, um, it was an interesting what moment. A moment, a moment to have photographed. Uh, it was, but he was great. Yeah. And he actually, so I, on the side was trying to do a, a series about some homeless children in, in Boston and Cambridge through the Salvation Army. And he helped support that, which I thought was very lovely. He he got to know me and what I was doing and that made it possible for me to do that. So that was some of, some of the important work I did on the side. That's great. Yeah. Do for you find, yourself. did some of these people you worked with passed away like Sam did? Yeah, a lot of them. Do you remember? Steve Raybon. So many, so many people. I'm just saying, I'm not asking you to list them, but I mean, do you remember when you hear about each one? Were you, man. Well, you know, in that world, to be honest, there's a lot of sadness underneath that. You, know, I think everybody knows that at this point, especially comedians. There's so much uh, pain and sadness mm-hmm. below that. But I think any celebrity, <laughs> this is just my opinion, mm-hmm. is in a greater need for attention than most, even though they're skilled and like am- amazing, some amazing people, there's something in them that can do that as a show. And um, underneath that's usually some addiction yeah. issues. And so it's not mm. typically a surprise, painful, but yeah. it's, you know, to learn about people passing away, but it's not typically a surprise. Fame and money is not always good for you. I think that's the best lesson you could ever learn. It's yeah. not only not it just does not make the difference you think it would. It absolutely does not yeah. buy happiness it's or health or happy. Yeah. It's a very clear message there. <laughs> I love though, um, just your whole life as a photographer and, and, and everywhere that really like taking pictures and being a photographer, you know, took you all these places and people and things. And cause that's what, one of the things that we love about photography, you know, is, is how, where it can take you and how you can just end up places that you would have never imagined. And it's kind of like this kinda adventure. Like helps you experience life in a different way, basically. I mean, yeah, you get to all these adventures and experiences you never would have had if you weren't a photographer. It kind of, you know, it, it, it's like a backdoor, gets you in the back door a lot of places that you never would have been yeah. invited into, so... Glamorous and and not sometimes, right? <laughs> and but not and yeah, sometimes absolutely. glamorous. <laughs> well, it's definitely been um, a joy, really fun to, to kind of walk down memory lane with you guys. And it was so fun. And look at some of my old photos and um, is there, share them with you. Is there a plan for for all the photos? Is there something that we can look forward to? Do you think? So I'm hoping we'll see if there's a book in there. I have a couple hundred thousand negatives to go through That's to see um, if there's a book in there. But I hope so. And I hope people might be interested sounds in the good like old it. days of rock and roll. I think it sounds like it. I mean, from what I've seen, I want you to make a, a book. Come on. <laughs> like, I'll help you look to the photos. I will. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you That's great. <laughs> I, I, need, I need other people's eyes to tell me, like, is that worth it? Is that oh. a good shot? Is that like something? This people... is so up my alley that I could have spent five hour podcast with you right now. But we got to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we do have the one more question. A question we we ask every episode. Yeah. Um, since it's called the last picture, um, we like to ask, "What's the last picture you can think of?" Or how about maybe even the last picture that you remember taking that was significant in your career, or the last celebrity celebrity you took pictures of, or you can interpret it however you want. 
the last picture. The last picture. Yeah. What's, your, your, what's radio your, the last picture? The la- what's you know, what's your, your last picture? <laughs> I don't, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I feel, I feel like, um, yeah, it can be the last picture on the pile. How about there. a last picture you can think of? Remember, last, I'll do a grab. How about that? Yes. Ooh. Like yeah. a pull out of the hat, uh-huh. like random. <laughs> oh, oh, this is a good one. Okay. Oh, oh. So, describe um, it, yeah. This is Stevie Ray Vaughan, and he yeah. and I got in a fight that day, <laughs> and he yelled it. at me while he was on stage in front what? of everybody because he thought I had unplugged his monitor, which I had not, and I would never do. Oh, my gosh. So I don't know if you can see what's up his nose, but he's got some stuff up there, and so oh, I told oh him, I am gosh. going, that is the picture I'm going to choose to oh, um troublemaker to, i know to put in the magazine because you were mean to me because i'm <laughs> in control because back in the day i don't know what it's like now but i was the editor i sent in only the photographs i wanted to yeah and i was like there you go buddy that's what you get this for is treating what, me like that <laughs> this is what's going to print that's great so that is the picture you chose it is i went with it he looks oh. emotional there he was probably yelling at me <laughs> i love it I love where was this photo taken and- the black oh. and white print of Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, uh, the live performance. Yeah, I, I honestly her. don't remember where we were. Probably somewhere around the On Boston stage, area. Somewhere. somewhere on the East Coast, we'll put it that way. 1989, Stevie 1989. Ray Vaughan. Yeah. Man, that's a good one to end with. <laughs> Yay. Thanks, Mim. Thanks, Mim. Thanks, you guys. Such fun. a surprise and a pleasure, and it's kind of a perfect podcast is and this is exactly what we wanted was stories behind you know uh the photos yeah i wish i had a book to promote so maybe next yeah time. <laughs> is there is there anywhere else you want people to find you right now or they just have to wait for the book yep gonna have to wait for the book and they can um come visit the farm right yeah sure usdfarmlab.com that's right very cool is there any social media links to that uh-huh. We have EUSD Farm Lab on Facebook and Instagram as well. EUSD Farm Lab. EUSD Farm Lab. Awesome. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Ma'am. Thanks, you guys. It's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>